Good morning. I just want to say I've had such fun with you this weekend. It is such a privilege to see what God is doing in and through you. Last night, some of you were bold and courageous and were willing to step forward and say, this, this is who I am. This is my contribution. And I'm willing to make a commitment to not only the Lord and to myself, because that's where it starts, right? When, we, when we're bold enough to say, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And we don't measure our offering against each other, because what I got is enough. Hey, let me just say that again. Holy Spirit speaking right now. You are more than enough. You don't have to go manufacture, go get it to do it. It's in you. Mission is not what we do. It's who we are, right? So we've been learning. And so I just want to say, maybe by the time we leave, there'll be more that'll want to say this out loud to each other, what our contribution is, because there's something about what I think the Lord wants to do with Nava is to build a network of contributions where we are deploying one another, serving the King and His new creation together to further the purposes of God, and that is mission. And so I want to start with, because some of you guys uh, shared a little bit about what is your contribution last night, the problem is, is that when, you know, we get to sometimes moments of mountaintop experiences where we say something and then as soon as we say it and, we, and the excitement settles down, we start to drift away from what we committed to and what we said and we even fall back asleep and forget what it is uh, that we are committing to. And so because we've been using... The beautiful metaphor, we started uh, the first day talking about God's story and then our personal story, how our story fits in the telling of God's great story. And one of the things about the, the, the concept of story development is this idea, ideal of character development. Every story is about your development, right? We talked about how you are the protagonist in your story. That means you're the lead character. And that also means that a protagonist is the person who is the champion or the advocate of their cause. So we spent time talking about what is it that when you look at the world, you see the pain in that world. The Lord has opened your eyes to see this. I told you that mine was the alleviation of poverty. It just breaks my heart. I can't get away from it. I see, I see it in multiple ways, and it's, it drives me, it motivates me, it's the thing that I am compelled, I'm an advocate and a champion for poverty and the alleviation of it. And then I talked about our contribution, I shared that I'm a dream weaver, I steward dreams, that's who I am. And uh, I love nothing more than to take people out of poverty and steward their dream and help them be prosperous and successful. And when we can take our contribution and lay it on top 
of the pain that we see, our story begins. So part of the journey of going, getting from I see it, I know it, my contribution, to actually beginning to <laughs> do it uh, is tying a cape on your back, standing on a chair, and taking a leap of, and a jump of faith. Now, in the process, that, that point of getting to that point is called character development. Character development. The way we fight the drift to give up on what we declared last night and what some are still waiting to declare is that we commit today to the development of our, of our character, the protagonist. Another element of that is that we follow a character arc because a character is what they do. Character is what they do. A character arc is the transformation of a character over the journey of their story. Let me say that again. A character arc is the transformation of a character over the journey of their story. Some of you are, are sitting there going, I think I know it, but I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to, to say it. I'm not ready to commit to it. I'm not ready to announce my contribution because I think it needs to grow a little bit. I need to, it needs to marinate a little longer. But the problem is, as long as, long as you live with that perspective, you don't actually start your character development. And part of you growing and being transformed is you beginning to practice it and lean into it. So a character has to apply themselves and work with the Holy Spirit to be transformed. Your partner in this is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. Your character doesn't go through change if the story doesn't happen. And that's why so many people stay kind of stuck in a place, never really going anywhere, is because they're, they haven't partnered with the Holy Spirit to start taking courageous, bold steps, even if it's tripping and stumbling a little bit, Remember, we talked about the tripping edge. Even if it caused you to stumble and trip a little bit because you ain't got it together yet and you're still working it out and fleshing it out. But that's how we grow. That's how we mature. The, the Holy Spirit wants to make you. He wants to help you discover more of what's laying inside of you. And as you create the character arc of your story to help fulfill the the mandate, the great new creation story that God is doing in the universe with all of our help. And when you move forward, it will, it will cause conflict. Remember we said that a story is a character, you, the protagonist. The story is a character who wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get it. We talked about our want and that it's okay to have a desire for something, especially something that's transformational, something that is bigger than us. Poverty alleviation. I could get 
crushed under the weight of that. It will, I will spend my entire life addressing poverty because I chose to live an epic story. Epic stories mean I'll probably die trying to do this. But somebody else will pick it up and we'll finish this. Well, I know there's a finish because we don't live in empire anymore. We live in the garden. And in the garden, <laughs> there is no poverty, right? So when you move forward with your contribution, the thing that you say, this is, when I show up, this is who I am. There'll be no question, this is where I begin, this is where I end, and if you wanna, you wanna know me, you want my help, this is what I bring. That's your contribution. When you move forward, Many forces come against you. And we must be willing to overcome the conflict in our story. Listen, friends, hate in the world does not surrender easily to love. Evil does not submit quietly to good. And if you believe in tomorrow, you gotta fight for today. I told you yesterday that you are future people living in the now. You are people that the world are looking to go, show me what the future is. Show me what it looks like. Live it so I can follow you. It's kind of dark out here and I need somebody to show me the way. If we believe in tomorrow, we have to be willing to fight for today. And when you open the book of Romans and you start to read it, again, Acts, right? Acts first, then Romans, right? When you start to read it, on the other side of, of Romans, Acts, you discover that the man whose name is never once mentioned in the Gospels, so Gospels, Acts, Romans, Okay? The man whose name is never once mentioned in the Gospels, Paul, right? Paul is writing now to a group of Christians in Rome, a place that was the center of Gentile culture. And you might want to pause and say, okay, what happened? What happened that from the end of the Gospels, that the gospel burst out of its confines in Judaism, a city in Jerusalem, and reached in one generation to all the limits of the then known world. Have you ever thought about that? Who's this Paul dude? We just, it's all been about the 12 disciples. And now all of a sudden, we're hearing from this guy named Paul who's like just blowing it up. Future man. It was God's intention to demonstrate to us in Acts that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do what we cannot do. And here's the thing about your story is that as long as you 
hold the perspective that the living out of your story is some, something to do with your ability to figure everything out and muster up the courage and the strength to somehow do it, you've missed the whole point. You, you don't have to live your story by yourself. You have the gift and the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live the life that you were created to live with purpose and promise. And if you dare to dream and think that maybe there's something I could do to make a difference, it's possible. Because tomorrow deserves us fighting today. I believe it's because we have listened to the Great Commission and we've only heard the first word. Go. But our Lord spoke as well, and he said, I am with you always to the close of the age. And again, we talked about that, right? What's the close of the age? The garden. New creation. He's going to go with us all the way. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit's work to do this. So he's going all the way and he wants to go with you and he declares, I will go with you and I'll help you live your story. <laughs> I love that. It was always God's intention, not only to put the program before us. What's the program? Remember the program? I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you out of empire thinking because you're not empire people, right? You are what? Kingdom people. Kingdom people. So I'm going to put you over here. And kingdom people are, what do we say? We're lovers who steward well the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has given us. Why? So we can love what God loves. That's, that, is, that is kingdom people right there. We're not empire people. And, and we've been on a journey moving ourselves into this new way of living life and doing life. And when we still try to hang on to, to Egypt, to the empire way, and we don't let go, we can't take hold of the kingdom way. And so every time you fight to try to love what God loves and steward, and you're struggling here, let go over here. I guarantee you, you're holding on to Egypt. And when God led the Israelites out of Egypt, he, he required them to, to let go of what they were holding on to. And they crossed through the river, and they came into the land where God began to make their character. If you've got your Bibles, would somebody open up for me Acts chapter 2? It was always God's intention to lay that program before us. But he said, I will fulfill it. So he gives us the program, but he gives us the power 
an ability because he's going to fulfill it through you. Acts chapter 2, who will just stand up and read really loud for me? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Come on. Okay. I got another one for you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You go, girl. Yes. Amen. You know what I call that? The gift of ears. <laughs> the point of that statement is that that wasn't anything they did. As the Holy Spirit accomplishing his program through us. And he can even he can even bring the gift of ears so people understand what you're trying to say. I got another, I got a story of that. I've actually seen the gift of ears in operation. Someone asked me later what that story was about. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll come to that. Sister, would you read verses 12 through 17 now? Pick up. Okay, that's good. Come on. When you stand up on your chair, Jay, hold that food, man. When you stand up and you put your cape on, that's you prophesying. You, know, you can prophesy without ever saying a word. You prophesy with your life. When you start... Dreaming dreams and seeing visions. Visions. You spoke of a vision you have last night. And then the Holy Spirit starts to conspire with you to do what you cannot do. Let's just be honest, man. It's crazy. It's crazy to think you can alleviate poverty. <laughs> but I'm just enough ready to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me down the rabbit hole and see what we find. See, that's the kind of future people. The disciples were scared to death, hiding in a room when the Holy Spirit comes. Because the Holy Spirit is what gives us confidence. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us courage. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us look kind of crazy. Hey, we got to get over ourselves. I don't want to look crazy. I don't want to look different. Man, let the Lord do what the Lord want to do with you. Let the Lord do what the Lord wants to do with you. Quit stopping it. Don't, don't stop. Man, God has something for Nava that's going to require all of you to do okay according to Luke 
the author of the book of Acts, of all the forward movement, it did not happen by man's design. It happened because God willed it and the Holy Spirit carried it out. Here's just a few of the Holy Spirit's works captured in Acts to accomplish the Father's agenda. Acts 2, verse 41 through 42. The Spirit comes with power, and what happens? 3,000 were added to their number. Acts 4, 6 through 8. The Spirit, not Peter, the Spirit led Peter and John before the rulers, the elders, and Peter spoke with boldness. Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. The Spirit directed Philip. It wasn't Philip on his own. The Spirit said, hey, Philip, go to the Ethiopian and teach him God's word. Acts 9, verses 1 through 9. The Spirit stopped Saul in his tracks. The one who was breathing out murderous threats against the church and was storming on a steed to go kill Christians, the Lord stops him, the Spirit stops him in his tracks and blinds him. That's how we got Paul. Acts 10, 1 through 48, the Spirit spoke to Cornelius and in, intervened with Peter directing him to the Gentiles' home. Remember that? Peter's up, reclining on the ceiling, rooftop, getting all kinds of visions. And, and Cornelius sends his guy, go get that guy, bring him here, so my whole family can get saved, which bursts the whole movement in the Gentiles, among the Gentiles. That was the Spirit that did that. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't Cornelius. It was the Spirit who did that. He did that for you. Acts 13, verse 2. The Spirit set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work. Acts 16, verse 6 through 25. The Spirit forbid Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas and Timothy from going to Asia and instead, the Spirit gave them a vision of Macedonia, man. And this started the church at Philippi. By the way, do you know the only church that ever gave money to Paul's ministry was this poor little church in Philippi? The Spirit warned of Paul's persecution And then sovereignly directed him all the way to Caesar and to Rome. Acts 21, verse 1 through 26. Listen, the Spirit wants to use your life. Ordinary things in the hands of an extraordinary God can accomplish anything. A man, blinded from birth, 
can see now. If God, <laughs> God can spit in the dirt and make healing salve for blindness. Listen, man, if you are sitting there thinking, I ain't got nothing, you got spit in your mouth. As long as you got some spit, man, you got something to work with. Every story, every story in this room will require momentum, right? It requires momentum. And the problem is, is that sometimes we're holding back the momentum, but God wants to pull us out of this weekend of learning and discovery about mission and about our lives and our purpose and our destiny and the story we're intended to live so that we leave out of here with momentum to start changing things because we're future people. And so every momentum, it's important to remember, momentum is God's responsibility obedience is your responsibility. Man, if you don't get anything else out of what I said today, that line right there is the most important thing I've said all, all weekend. Momentum in your life to develop your character so that you can live the story that you're committing to so you're an intentional future person leaving Egypt, going into the kingdom work of establishing his creation on earth, a place where there is no poverty, where there is no injustice, where the righteous bloom like oaks of righteousness, anointed to do good works for the king, to serve him. We don't serve a president. We serve a king. We are subjects. We're, we're the subjects of the king. We're heirs. We're sons and we're daughters. Woo! Let me get, I just want to preach all over again. Why does your story matter? Because every day you're telling a story with your life. The question is is it the story that you're supposed to tell? Every day matters, and your life and the story of your life matters. Story matters because the story you're telling should be the story you want to tell. How many leaders are there in the room? Lift up your hands if you're a leader. Hold it up. I need to see them. Okay, for those of you that have not raised your hand, I want to tell you something. Leadership is influence at its basic. So everyone in this room is a leader because you have influence. And if you say, I don't have any influence, you do. You have influence over you. And leadership starts with leading yourself into your story so that you're telling what you're supposed to tell to a world that's watching and looking for caped Heroes with the future in front of them. What's your future? Do you believe that's your future, what we described yesterday? That is your future. And so your story matters because 
You're telling a story with your life. Story matters because the story you're telling should be the story you want to tell. Story matters because everyone ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. Story matters because everyone ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. Story matters because you cherish at your core. What you cherish at your core is what you will aim at with your life. The reason that it's so hard to mobilize people for mission is because mission is not at, at our core. We haven't identified it as, as who we are. It's always that thing we got to go do. That's why your story, your mission, your vision, your, the things you commit to practicing every day of your life is so important because mission is here. It's not out there. At your core is what you will aim at with your life. Whatever's at your core. And when God gives us a contribution to make, he gives us the power to do it. God's gift of the Holy Spirit is for every believer, and he gives us the ability to do what we cannot do on our own. Ask yourself what the intention of the Father was when he made you. What was the intention of the Father when he made you? You have a unique, one-of-a-kind contribution to make. That's why we can't look at whatever people have, what they're doing. Everyone needs your contribution as much as you're going to need their contribution to fulfill the thing that God's asking you to do. Another way of saying that is look for yourself. Some of us have forgotten what we look like. Some of us need to go, just a minute, let me go get in my Holy Spirit PJs. Zip it up. Oh, that's who I am. Sometimes you got to put on the clothes. I'm asking you to look for yourself. You've lost yourself. You've forgotten who you were. And the Holy Spirit wants to awaken you so you can look and see yourself, really see yourself. Don't look at yourself. Look for yourself. Oh, what do you mean? Hang on, sounds like you're playing with words now. No, look for yourself. Don't look at yourself. The Holy Spirit will show you See, when we look at ourselves, we see all that is wrong. We see all the obstacles, all the things that are telling you why you can't do it. All of the imperfections. The antagonist of your story is over here whispering in your ear constantly, telling you why you can't, why you shouldn't. Oh, we've never done that before. No one's ever done that before. Oh, it must be impossible. All things are possible. We know that there are things that we need to change, right? <laughs> I'm the first one to raise my hand. I got things that need to change. I'm not gonna 
make a dent if I don't get some other things right. But that's the whole journey of the story arc is that I've entered into my story hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and I'm being changed. I'm being transformed. I'm being transformed. I guarantee you, I am not standing still. I'm, 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 I'm jumping in the deep end of the pool and I'm inviting you to come. The water's great. It's so refreshing. You'll love it. If you don't know how to swim, I'll teach you. Let's go. We know that there are things that need to change in our life. And in order to live out the story with intentionality, the invitation to, the, to author your story, because that's really what's being said this weekend, is we're inviting you to author your story to look past what you know are shortcomings and to find who you really, really are. See, transformation is a matter of self-discovery, not of becoming something else. See, I need to be transformed. Oh, that means you're gonna become something different. No, I just means you're discovering what God has already put in you. Kingdom is about lovers who steward well gifts, talents, and abilities in order to love what God loves. What you need to fully do and live into the story with intentionality is to commit to your contribution and to show up. That's it. Transformation is going in and pulling out and saying, I got this to work with. Remember the, remember the whole thing we talked about last night about stewarding and the bags of gold in Matthew 25? And I talked to you about he doesn't, he doesn't measure you against others. He just asks you to be accountable to steward what's already inside of you. So in order to, be, to bring transformation, we have to go through transformation. And we have to be willing to start running experiments and stepping into our purpose and our design and what God has called us to do. And then deploying one another into that journey of rebuilding and remaking creation on earth as it is in heaven. The seeds of the kingdom of God are already here. They're in you. And when you put it in the ground and water it and nurture it, what grows up makes earth look more like heaven. God wants to co-create with us. He gets excited when his children climb up in his lap and tells him what they want to do. And he moves like lightning to make it all happen on your behalf when you start to dream. 
God is meticulously involved in your life. Meticulously involved. Not in control of your life. Because remember, he took the greatest risk of all in creating us and giving us a free will. It wasn't God who created all this. What I mean, I don't mean created all of this. I mean created all the mess. That's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit is our source of power. Have you ever taken such a leap of faith with God that you were completely dependent on the Holy Spirit showing up? Those are the kinds of, as I said last night, where you kind of go, it's impossible to please God without faith. I'm going to do some faith stuff just so I can catch him glimpsing and smiling down at me. Because he loves it when we take risks. Faith, I'll give you a definition of faith. Faith is a protest. Faith is a protest against the world that is in the name of the world that ought to be. Faith is a protest against the world that he is right now in the name of the world that ought to be. And facing our weakness always precedes the discovery of God's sufficiency. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, His grace is sufficient for His power is made strong in our weakness. As sons and daughters, your father knows how to give good gifts. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Verse 13 if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen, if you want to outlive your life, now we're talking about legacy. Now we're talking about intention, purpose, if you want to outlive your life, involve the Holy Spirit. Radical change is required in our thinking. We need to in identify where Egypt is still lurking around in our lives. Because we're kingdom people. We're family. We're not a building. You're a priest. And you can't subcontract spiritual things to other people. Mission is a lifestyle. 
so I must commit to my contribution. We are in the world, but we aren't of it. You save your life by losing your life. We rejoice when we face trouble. Remember I told you we were going to flip over some tables. We have more when we give what we have away. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Living like Jesus is a wrench that you throw into the world system in both the natural and the supernatural realms. People don't know what to do with people that live like Jesus. There's an invitation on the table to live your story and to model the life of Jesus, the servant-hearted king. And we gotta, we gotta shift and we gotta uproot and we gotta grab hold of paradigms that have held us over here in order to walk into our future and to contribute what God intended for us. We're gonna celebrate communion together. We're going to do that because we're a family. And this family is being rewired. That's what this weekend's been about. Is the Holy Spirit has been rewiring Nava to change the way it thinks and even create a new delivery system for how others get infected with what you have. This weekend is a significant work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you because he's awakening you to your story in light of his story. And he's asking you to commit to your contribution and to share it with your family so that you can make all things new. To restore what was stolen and to bring his creation into the fullness of what he intended. In John chapter 12, verse 24, it says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears what? Much fruit. When I think about the act of receiving the communion, the elements, the, the body and the blood of Christ, every time I take of it, I'm caught with this notion that 
I'm eating the flesh. Okay, I know this is kind of weird, but it's, it's not weird because it's what Jesus said. We eat in the flesh, right? So I'm literally saying, okay, God, I am recommitting as I take Jesus in to allow the, the life and the body of Jesus to reform, mate, reform me, to rework the molecules of my doubt, to reshape my imagination, and to give me the mind of Christ so I can do all things. And when I take the cup and I drink of that cup, a sign of a new covenant that, that God was making with his sons and his daughters, that to say to you that when you drink this, you are agreeing to live your life committed to this covenant between him and you that says you will do and be who I created you to be. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four 24 says, this is my body which was broken for you. Talk about a story, a character, Jesus, who wanted something, you, and overcame conflict, the broken, beaten, dismantled body. Broken for you. Isaiah 53 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. And I think that, I think of that and I think what he did for me and all he's asking me to do is live for him. He died for me. All he's asking me to do is live for him. Today, when you receive these elements, and the minute we're gonna, we're gonna take of them, I want you to recommit in prayer to be conformed to the image, to claim for yourself and for this family that I will live and walk as Jesus did. When you take of the cup, I want you to recommit today that I will bring the fullness of my contribution. I will not shy away from it. I will not uncommit to it. In fact, I will recommit and I will make a decision every day of my life when I wake up, I am committed to this contribution because it's who God made me to be. And I'll lay that contribution every opportunity I can on top of the pain that Jesus has shown me in the world. And I'll reach over into the lives of other people that are part of this family and I'll say, man, I need some help. I need Lady Liberty. I need Foundation Layer. I need Dreamweaver. I need Illuminator. I need Foundation Layer. We got a job over here, man. Can you help me out? Heavy lifting. I need a lever. Where's Lever Man? We got to lift this thing. I told you that God wants to co-create with you, right? Even when you take today 
of these elements, the sacraments, God, there's a, there's, it's so cool. I love this. This is so cool. Even in the bread and the wine that you're going to receive today, there's a, there's a picture in it of co-creation. Let me show you what I mean. God made grain and grapes. Man took it, made bread and wine. When Jesus gives it to you, back to you, he gives it to you as flesh and blood. That's the partnership of God with you. Co-creating to remind you who you are and that you can do this because the Holy Spirit is with you. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that your body, your son, Jesus, afforded us. That while he was wounded for our transgressions, he did that so we could live the story we were meant to live. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that as we partake this evening, this morning, that the literal body and blood of Christ, we are saying, Father, we fall to the ground and die so that we can live and bear much fruit. Thank you for the gift of co-creating with us, of taking something that we made and remaking it as a remembrance of your sacrifice and love for us. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven.